Hey, it's Ralph here. Q1 is now closing and it probably didn't go as well as you had hoped, but I'm sure your agency is probably telling you that they crushed it. But in reality, it crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you are, if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what that thing is, go on over to tier11.com forward slash apply. It will set you up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make us agencies look good, but something that actually moves the needle and makes you more money, acquires more new customers, and ultimately achieves your vision. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash apply today. Hello, and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is a show where we share cutting edge strategies in acquiring leads and sales to acquire more customers so you as a business, Cosm, can achieve your vision. That's what we're talking about here today. We're going to Talk about how you as a business can get more leads, sales, grow, all that stuff so you can achieve your vision. We talked about that on our previous episode. We will have the very hard to book Ryan Hodges, the inventor of the Hodgey wheel, that will explain all this. We tried to get him today, but uh, unfortunately, he's traveling to like three or four European countries in like five days. So we couldn't schedule him today. So Perpetual traffic listeners are just stuck with little old us here today, Cossum. Yeah. Here's the problem is saying traveling to three to four countries sounds like a big lift, but then you look at Europe and it's like you could go to three to four countries in a day if you're in the right spot. It sounds way worse than it really is. So I think it's just a big excuse, actually. He just right. he, he was sounds like he's living shy. the dream and just doesn't yeah. want to work. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm joining him in one of those countries, maybe two of those countries. So I did make the decision to head out to uh, going to Serbia and maybe Bulgaria, and he's in Austria. So it's going to be an interesting weekend this weekend, a three-country trip. It's But it's like going from you know Maine to New Hampshire to Vermont, really, in Europe, isn't it? Hop, skip, and a jump, yeah. I mean, it's harder to go from Arizona to New Mexico to, to Texas, you know, right. I think. Or for you, maybe California. I don't know. Yeah. I went to public school, so I don't understand geography. But generally speaking, I agree with what you're saying. Generally <laughs> speaking, the scale in Europe is a whole different thing. You don't really understand the scale. It's actually much larger and harder to get around by car than you'd think. But it's like the pl- the little plane rides are like $67 a piece. It's fabulous. Oh, dude, yeah. It's like 50 it's, bucks from like, like Berlin 50. to Prague. And yeah. yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. So I like doing trains in Europe. That's I get a big kick out of that because the European countryside, no matter where you are, and this is just the desert rat in me speaking, but it's always yeah. Done. Well, there's green stuff there as opposed to just brown dead shit, which is where you are. Which is all Phoenix is just brown dead shit. <laughs> just this decrepit <laughs> wasteland of Mad Max rocks and dust. Yeah, it is like Mad Max out there. Oh my god. Well, yeah. now to you. Which is weird because your people, the New Englanders, come to Phoenix and all I ever hear is like how pretty they think it is. And I'm like, you are so abused by, by life, clearly. You know, oh, it's such a lush desert. Is it really? So lush in what it's like, way? It's like saying a well-decorated right. prison. It's like, oh, your incarceration looks very comfortable. It's the only place I know where you can like run or take a walk through what you think is a forest and actually get injured along the way without falling. So last time I was in Arizona, I took a run through like part of the Saguaro Desert. Am I pronouncing that? Or is there a G in there? Saguaro? No, you did it. Saguaro. Oh, okay. You did it. See, look at that. Yeah. 
As far as I know, I mean, again, public school, but yeah, that's what Saguaro. they taught me. So. Saguaro. So I was on like a trail, you know, obviously it's the desert. It's not like it's paved. And so I stumbled a couple of times, didn't fall, but grazed myself against one of those big cactus. And I came back with scrapes on both sides of my legs that were like bleeding and I didn't even realize it. I'm like, this is a lot different than trail running in New England. That's for damn sure. Oh, those things were, yeah. Did you come across any rattlesnakes? I didn't. I was hoping that I would because I'm kind of fascinated with snakes, but I'm a very heavy jogger. This is when I used to like run all the time. Now I don't, now I don't run, but I just run away from my kids. But no, I, yeah, I think I scared them as I was coming through the desert, you know, it's just a big pile of dust coming through some guy with short legs and very very heavy footprints heavy footsteps so tasmanian devil Tasman, just ripping Tasman through this world desert. yeah so anyway that's my lasting impression the last time i actually took sort of a run walk through arizona so hopefully it won't be like that in serbia bulgaria austria maybe it'll just be serbia for me this weekend so we're looking forward to that that'll be fun but yeah as a result of that we are doing a bunch of episodes here compressing things in because i've actually got some vacation coming up as well custom i don't know if you do but it's year end my kids are a little bit later going back to college your kids are already probably back in school right now because but yeah they're six and eight so they just started first and third grade but they're in montessori school so they're actually in the same classroom which is pretty cute oh that's awesome yeah yeah they get to be little buddies yeah that's fantastic we did that i told you this we did montessori school through you did. like first and second grade yeah, I'm obsessed with Montessori, man. If you take the five most important brands in the world would be Google, Apple, Facebook, Amazon, Microsoft. Four out of five of those founders went to a Montessori school. Really? And yet Montessori makes up 0.000002% of the available education in this country. It's the only system of education based on the scientific method. Wow. It's the only pedagogical system based on the scientific method. Everything else that we do is on a Prussian model meant to build factory workers. Montessori, Maria Montessori was an absolute genius. She was the first female doctor in the nation of Italy. It's a tragedy what we do from an educational perspective because it's built for 2% of the population in terms of the way they learn. So you have 98% of these poor kids that think they're stupid. And it's not that they're stupid at all. It's that taking a child and having them sit in a desk in front of a blackboard for eight hours a day, surprise, surprise, is yeah, not a good way to go. Well, we just did it because they held them two hours longer than public schools and we were both working. It's <laughs> yeah, really the main so reason. <laughs> I mean, it was totally <laughs> self-serving. My wife's like, we can get an extra two hours in without the kids being home? Done. So anyway, but no, I, I support the Montessori schools aside from just the fact that I love the extra hours. Yeah. So if you are a listener of the show, we're going to plug this every time we possibly can. We're doing it right now. We're still getting all our cameras down and everything, but this is a work in progress. You listeners sort of matured along with us and gone on this journey with us. We are uh, Perpetual Traffic on YouTube and go over to perpetualtraffic.com forward slash YouTube. That takes you right to the channel. If you try searching for it, it's a pain in the ass because there's a couple of other URLs that are on there that I don't know, they're fakers trying to be Perpetual Traffic. But yeah, perpetualtraffic.com forward slash YouTube. And uh, you can tune in there and actually make some comments, you know, we'll get some interaction going. We have not asked for that all that much. But before we get into that, I want to give you a nugget of something that we have been utilizing and one of our very smart team members, Lynn Swayze, some distant relation to Patrick Swayze, by the way. Really? Yeah. There is some kind of relation there. 
who is a HubSpot whiz, she realized that for some of our sales calls, our one of our sales processes, now you know you use a different process, but we love HubSpot. We've been on HubSpot now for over a year, if not longer than that, and just find new ways in which to improve our sales and marketing, just in general, just with follow-up sequences, automations, all this sort of stuff. It really fits integrated into our overall marketing strategy. And we started using a tool. And one of, one of our issues was, so when I started doing some of the discovery calls, is that we would have a fair amount of no-shows. So we installed a system of SMS texting. And there's a lot of them that are out there. But I will say this, if you're on HubSpot right now, I would highly recommend this. I did not set it up. So I do not know exactly how it all works. Lynn did it all and has been doing a great job as well as our marketing department doing a great job. It's called Sakari SMS. And we'll leave a link in the show notes. They do integrate with everybody except our buddies over at Go High Level. But Go High Level have their own Integration. Yeah, it has a native. It has a native. You just do this with high level without any fancy whiz bang gizmos. Yeah, but this works really, really well. So if you connect it with HubSpot, we, we used to use PipeDrive. We obviously use Slack. We used Intercom for quite some time. It's a great way of making sure that they show up. And we've talked about this in the past with the Go High Level CEO about speed to lead. And if you're in a service based mm-hmm. business, And whenever I talk to people about this sort of thing, whether you're a regional business, whether you're a national franchise, we do a lot of work with national franchises. The one truth is that it doesn't matter what your CPL really is. I mean, it does, obviously. But how quickly are you going to follow up with that lead once it comes in the door so you can get them on the phone? And I know we're banging the same drum we've been banging for quite some time. Sakari enables that, especially if you've got a founder who's taking calls, at least in the short term, who has a busy schedule, might not be able to book that day or maybe within a four-day period. We are testing that as to whether or not it's better to book quicker or to actually give them a little bit of time to get some warm-up using Sakari as our SMS. So that test is actually in progress, which is counter to my speed-to-lead argument, but still speed-to-lead meaning after the initial submission for the name, phone number, email, it's really important that you follow up with them nearly immediately. And Sakari SMS does that. We're really, really happy with that service here. So that's my nugget for this week. We've been using it now for three or four weeks. And I think it's doubled our show up rates in that short period of time. So it's very rare. You know, somebody who comes through our sales process as a service business, you know, we're wasting time with the salesperson or not getting the prospect on the call. So Sakari SMS, will leave a link in the show notes. We should probably be affiliates for that. Thoughts on the go high level side of the equation? I know you guys recommend that a fair amount. Same kind of concept here. It's like if you have an SMS that works and gets people on the phone and makes sure that they show up for the appointment that they scheduled, it's a win all around. I'm not saying Sakari is the only method. It's the one that we're using right now that's really working. You know, it's good to have something that I think is dedicated to a specific function because it usually means that the features are more robust. We do use Go High Level and our team does have a, a SMS follow-up and nurture. The thing that blows me away still is when you think about the fact that SMS has a 99% open rate. Like if you're not using, especially in the B2B space, I have clients that push back on using SMS all the time. They're like, oh gosh, I don't want to bug people. I get bugged when I get a text and I'm like, well, they gave you the number. You asked and they gave. And if they didn't give, don't use it. But if they gave it, use it. 
there's so many people now I know. Perry Belcher is one of them. We're about to have Perry on the show. I think he's coming in tomorrow. Perry doesn't... Here's what's really funny about this dude. Perry's one of the world authorities in email. He has the whole email training system. Perry doesn't use email. He makes fun of me. He'll like... if I, I'm like, oh, dude, I sent that email to you. He's like, I don't check my email. Perry only exclusively uses SMS. And what I've noticed too is the higher-end entrepreneurs, as soon as somebody has an EA effectively, they're out of their own email. And if you really want to get in front of them, you're going to probably have a far greater likelihood doing so either an SMS or another type of messaging app. And so I think follow up with SMS is the exact right approach to take, especially if you're dealing with, you know, higher end founders, CEOs, those types of folks. Yeah. We see it working a lot, well, really, really well with e-commerce brands as well. We have a division of the company that does that, which is like the add to cart kind of email. If they uh, abandon cart, give their actual phone number, it's a text message follow-up there, as well as retargeting ads, obviously on email. And it's the SMS stuff that gets responded back to 99% of the time. Dude, have you played with Timu at all? T-E-M-U? Yes. And I don't have firsthand experience with it, but I know my team has I don't think I've ever had a better e-commerce experience than I've had in Timu. And I just cost everybody listening way too much money because you log in and this stuff is like insanely inexpensive for... I don't know how they get away with some of the stuff. Oh, I don't either. I don't either. And what's interesting is the quality isn't bad at all. Like it's, you know, some of it's dollar store junk, but then some of it, you know, I bought a... What did I buy? I bought a bunch of stuff. Now I bought Legos for my kids. Legos were a tenth what Legos normally cost and they were just as good. I bought a screen really? for my car that was like $4 that was just as good as any other car screen you're ever going to get. But the product aside, if you want a masterclass in conversion optimization and follow-up and upselling, go to Timu. First, they force you to download their app. You almost can't interact with them without downloading the app, which I think is interesting. If somebody told me that's my business model, I'd be like, well, that's stupid because I'm never going to do that. And you know, here I am. I'm sitting here looking at the Timu app. And then their ability to nurture via text. I get these texts every couple of days where they're like, hey, if you spend 50 bucks, we'll give you 150 bucks. And I'm like, well, I'm definitely going to do that because there's all the. So I don't know, man. It's just their use of the app, in app notifications, text message follow up, progressive profiling. It's amazing. It's a miracle of e commerce genius. And if you're in the e com space, I'd absolutely recommend doing this. Just go check it so- out. Yeah, I haven't bought anything from them. We have team members that absolutely rave about it and then wonder about the legality of it. Like, how can they offer? How can they do this? They're shipping directly from China is my assumption. Right. Somebody got like Timberland boots for like $7 or something yeah, like dude, that last week. Yeah, I got a pair of, of basketball shoes. They were like 12 bucks, and they would have cost 80 Yeah, it's just crazy. How is it done? And if you go to the site, we'll leave links in the show notes, just because it's it's almost like the user experience is Amazon on steroids. I mean, they must be doing a lot of split testing. I know Amazon at any given point in time is doing like 2000 AB tests on their user experience because they have to. But in this case, it's like there's so much there and then it forces you into the app, which is genius as well. It's a cool site. Like if you've got an e-commerce site, this thing is chock full of potential split tests, like just on the add to cart page alone on how you should position your product. So we'll leave some links in the show notes there. So not related to SMS, but all about conversion, right? All about conversion. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. And they use SMS really well. That's the thing that I like is their SMS is specific to my customer journey. 
I put a Lego castle in my shopping cart, left the cart because I just didn't want to get it. And then they sent me a text message saying, hey, for the next 15 minutes, you can get some percentage off. And I'm just like, well, of course I'm going to do that now. You know, you already know I want the damn thing. Like, and how hard is that really to connect? So I don't know, man. I think they do just a stellar job. And it was discounted anyway. So uh, I don't know how the economics on the back end work. That's the thing that puzzles me about that site. But anyway, if you've never heard of it, we will leave links in the show notes here. Just one more thing to get your mind moving towards an overall very, very different user experience going onto an e-commerce platform. So like I said, we'll leave links in the show notes there. So today... We are going to be getting into some cool stuff. It's a groundbreaking revelation that is less than two weeks old. It almost runs counter to some of the things that we've talked about here on the show in the last couple of months is Kasim and John's exit from Performance Max. And we're going to get to that after this quick break. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wouters and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. All right, we are back. And in today's conversation, we're going to find out from Kasim why he suddenly, he and John, John Moran, who's the big brained other side of solutions. We love John. We've had John on here, obviously, many times. Why are you guys all of a sudden hating on Performance Max? Drop the goods here. This is a big story. Like, stop the presses. <laughs> stop the presses. It's interesting because we're the Performance Max agency. We're, I think, and I, I'm pretty sure I can prove this, we were the very first Google Ads thought leaders to really start charging forward into Performance Max. And I'm saying that out loud so people know that I realize the hypocrisy here. But it's a good example of why you just can't get romantic about the methods that you're using because Performance Max really was working phenomenally well. It was one of the coolest things that we've ever seen. It was even more powerful and impactful than smart shopping in a lot of ways. And now we see some really major drawbacks. And some of them, I think they're based off of the market conditions. 
what ended up happening is nobody used Performance Max for the first two years. And so it was Blue Ocean. And we're getting all this insane inventory for literally nothing, like no dollars. And then one day, everybody migrated over to Performance Max, either because Google forced you to do it or the whole world just kind of caught on and said, okay, we can't fight it, join them. And then as soon as that happened, Blue Ocean's become red very quickly. And that's issue number one. And that's my guess. Incidentally, I have no real proof of that other than observation. But my observations, I think, are pretty sound because I have 200 clients. They have $100 million in ad spend. And each of those clients, if you look in their auction insights, has anywhere between, I don't know what, five and 50 potential competitors. And so I have the opportunity to see more data than most people. And then the other issue that we're seeing is Google's getting more aggressive with how they use Performance Max, how they dictate terms, how they dictate placements. Performance Max sucks at new customer acquisition, specifically. So I'm not telling you never to use Performance Max. That's not what I'm saying at all. But if your primary goal is new customer acquisition, and incidentally, you're not going to be able to tell this inside of Google Ads. That's the real key. Because if you're running Performance Max, or if your agency is running Performance Max, or if your employees are running Performance Max, your ROAS probably looks great. That's why we hate ROAS here. It's why I don't accept ROAS as a goal any longer when I take on a new client because your ROAS looks great, but what you don't realize is Google's selling your own traffic back to you, leaning heavy into remarketing, heavy into brand, heavy into competitor traffic, poachable traffic, bottom of the funnel traffic, interest-based traffic, fine. But those aren't necessarily new customers. And if your goal is new customer acquisition, then Performance Max is, it's actually not an exceptionally strong tool. And what we've had to do is we've had to pull back on Performance Max massively and lean into more traditional campaign types. For e-com, that's standard shopping. Or even DSA, which is dynamic search ads. For lead gen, that's traditional search and DSA. And there's other campaign types that work really well, but especially when you're trying to teach the Google algorithm where conversions come from, and then lean into your healthier modes, I should say, models of traffic. Search is always a great place to start because you know you're getting in front of somebody that wants what you got. And for new customer acquisition, it's really helpful it's really helpful. It's not awareness building per se. So the cost of your acquisition is going to be a lot higher than Performance Max. And this is where things get really hard and convoluted, Ralph, to be honest with you, because everybody wants their cake and eat it too. So a customer says to us, like, I have to have this ROAS. Okay, great. I can get you that ROAS in Performance Max. Awesome. I want new customers. These are all repeat customers. Okay, I can get you new customers, but they're going to be five times as much. So your ROAS is going to drop. Really what people are saying is, well, I want new customers, but I want it at this ROAS. It's just not possible and it's difficult as a narrative to sell. And this is where I start to overstep my bounds massively. So forgive me for lobbing grenades, but most agencies don't even realize that Performance Max sucks at new customer acquisition. So I get a customer that thinks they've been getting a 900% ROAS this entire time, migrate over to Solutions 8, and we're like, well, yeah, you're getting a 900% ROAS, but your cost to acquire a new customer, if you factor in the fact that most of this is repeat business, it really puts you at maybe a one to three potentially because those new customers are so, so expensive. And where Performance Max does help repeat purchases and and those are potentially repeat purchases that you weren't necessarily going to get. That's why I said we're not abandoning it entirely. If your goal is new customer acquisition, then you have to budget something for that goal. I'm going to pause there. How did I do? I threw a lot out there all at once. Well, I look at Performance Max as two separate things, either selling physical products online, let's just call that e-commerce, and then there's lead gen. And lead gen, we've never been able to figure out the lead gen side of the equation. Me neither. <laughs> and which is really sad because we should be able to, but you know, the click farms are just like, it's too crazy. There's a couple exceptions to that rule, but for the most part, I'm 100% with you. 
Okay. Well, maybe we can explore that in just a bit because we obviously we have a lot of lead gen customers here, but we've all but pretty much abandoned it depending on the forms and like we tried all the stuff like together and then separately, I think at both of our agencies, but on e-commerce, like the new customer acquisition goal, and I'm just saying e-commerce, meaning selling a physical product. Are we really talking about that here when we say, all right, here's what I know or what I should be talking about when it comes to performance max, or are there other business types, other niches that you folks have found Performance Max works really well with SaaS when it works. And what's nice about SaaS is it either works or it fails quickly. And I love campaign types like that because there's so many campaign types. It's like, well, we'll know in 12 months. And that's, you know, that's just frustrating. It's nice to know it's going to fail quickly. But e-com, I think, is Performance Max. That's really where Performance Max belongs because Google can see everything. And we're speaking specifically of consumables or not even necessarily consumables, but businesses where repeat purchases are likely. You can think like apparel, accessories. If you're selling saunas, I'm not telling you that Performance Max won't work for you. I'm just saying that the problems that we're discussing probably don't necessarily apply. So I had actually thought from your perspective, the new customer acquisition goal for Performance Max was working somewhat. It was helpful, but not. Yeah. So for our listener, if you don't know, Google has a button you can press, quite literally. There's a box you can check. It basically asks Google to prioritize new customer acquisition, and it just tanks campaigns. To date, I have yet to see it work one time. Well, of course it would, right? Right. Well, what's interesting is it's strange. Either I see two things happening. The first one is the campaign just goes to absolute shit and doesn't sell anything, or it continues to sell to repeat clients and Google's unable to identify who a repeat client is. Every now and again, you see a minor lift in new customers, but it's not enough to justify just leaving it to that one box and letting go. I'll continue to test it and we continue to test everything. And that's the other really frustrating thing about Google is you can never be sure what happened yesterday is what will happen tomorrow. It feels a lot like being gaslit. I've learned 29 days out of 30 that the new customer acquisition setting in Performance Max doesn't work. But if I don't test it again tomorrow, I could get left behind because one day some Google engineer will realize like, oh goodness, we put the wrench where the sprocket should be. And then they fix it. And now all of a sudden the damn thing works and I'm the last to know. So you just have to be comfortable. It's so strange, man. Imagine every single day you have to put your hand on the stove to see if it's going to burn you. That's what running Google ads is like at a professional level because there's so many changes being made so often. And so you just can't take your experience at face value. Which is counterintuitive to, I think, the last conversation that we had on this, where you actually felt the exact opposite was coming your way. The fact that the agency model, the media buyer is going to eventually become just another cog in the machinery and no longer is valuable. But what I'm hearing from you is with the volume of stuff that you guys do, that is actually not the case because you have to have some intelligence in there in order to make sure that the thing is working. Well, I think, and this will get a little philosophical, but it might be a worthy philosophical discussion. So you tell me, Ralph, whether or not this is worth pursuing. I think looking at Newtonian time as a factor, and all I mean by that is, all I mean by that is, I'm sorry, that's an obnoxious way to phrase it. Apples falling on my head. Okay. Didn't you say you're supposed to speak at a third grade level on the show? Well, the theory of relativity, let's get into that just a tad, shall we? No, what I'm trying to say is instead of benchmarking the way that you function with Google as though this will exist in perpetuity, which would be relative, 
the way that we have to exist with Google now, the context that is time is very important. And the context currently is Google's trying to replace us with AI. And so if you think about what I said, it actually makes a lot of sense. Like I have a dashboard in front of me and the dashboard has 50 button, buttons and two novels and a wheel. And then I wake up tomorrow and there's 49 buttons and they all do something a little bit different than they did yesterday. Now there's, instead of two levers, there's three levers and there's two wheels and so on and so forth. It's breaking us down into the simplest parts so it can ultimately replace us. I don't know, have you ever seen that kid's show Inside Out? No. It, dude, it's phenomenal. It's one of the best, yeah. it's one of the best movies ever made. It, it's just yeah. animated film and it talks about like the five key personality types that exist within you and each has its own distinct character. And at one point during the, the movie of Inside Out, they go into this, it's, it takes place in this little girl's brain. And so the characters go into the part of the little girl's brain that deals with abstract thoughts. And when they do that, they move from being three-dimensional to with having like really nuanced curves and they're like fully scripted little artistic beings. And then all of a sudden they become blocks and they look like they're in Minecraft. And then from blocks, they get squeezed into two-dimensional characters. And then they look like they're kind of dumpy little cartoons. And then from two-dimensional characters, they get squeezed into like just shapes, just like a line and a square and a circle. That's what this feels like. It feels like we're in the middle of the process of squeezing us from a three-dimensional, full-on decision-making, autonomous being into, well, you're just a block and you can just beep, beep, boop, beep. I can just move the way that I'm allowed to move. And then you're not even really moving as much as you're like just pressing. And then you're not even pressing as much as you're just a shape and then you're gone. And so where I do understand what you're saying as far as it sounds like the media buyer has much more to do, that's because we're in the trash compactor in Star Wars and we're trying to fight the walls that are encroaching upon us. And what we have to do is fight the AI from doing what it wants to do. And maybe I'm just trying to protect myself from sounding like a hypocrite. How did I do? I think the world still needs media buyers. That's, that's <laughs> <what> I <think. laughs> Dude, I, I don't disagree with you. It's not that the world doesn't need it. It's that the media companies on a long enough timeline aren't going to give you the buttons you need to buy. That'll be up to them. It's going to be, give me your domain, give me your credit card and then hit go. Now, you'll still have a job, Ralph, because you do post-click, CRO, offer, creative, all that shit. I'll come work for tier 11. I'm going to put in an application and I expect to be hired at top salary. We'd hire John first, probably. Just, just so I you think know. everybody would hire yeah. John first. He actually knows what he's doing. I see that as the longer play here. I still do think that I see AI and the technology and the machine taking over sooner within Google than I do with Meta. I do too. Meta's more creative. And I just think it's because there's so much creator stuff on the front end. Well, and in fairness, Meta doesn't have what Google has from an infrastructure standpoint. So Meta couldn't make some of the changes that True. they would need to make. Like they, they can't see everything Google can see. They don't have their own browser, their own analytics, Good their point. own backend attribution. Like it's just not there. It's not there. No not there. Although they are working on their AI model, the llama model, but I mean, let's see how that all works out. The point is, is that I think the reliance on messaging and front end strategy, all things being equal, setting up, I always love this expression. It's like from Dennis Yu is, you know, setting up your plumbing is always going to be sort of table stakes, making sure your tracking is in place. Just do that first. And I know that's a mantra like we always talk about that. It's like, it doesn't matter unless you have that. It's usually the first thing that we look at whenever either one of our companies does an audit for any one of the hundreds of businesses we've done this for. 
But then secondly, for us, it's all about like, all right, figure out what that messaging really is. And that is a human endeavor right now, aided and abetted and made more effective by AI. So therefore, on the meta platform, I don't see the media buyer being pulled out of it. Although the advantage plus type of campaigns, which is Facebook's answer to Google Performance Max, I always say there's about 30 of them because I went to that one conference. It's like all of these are coming later on. And those are far more just like give the algorithm everything, give them 100, up to 150 images, videos, copy, all that sort of stuff, and then we'll figure it out for you. It's about a 50-50 hit rate for us. Although we do a fair amount on like the digital side and also in the service businesses. So maybe we're not like the best person to help answer that because I know Performance Max is really is a physical products. It's what we refer to as like an e-commerce brand, consumables, like you said, apparel, regular purchases, you know, repeat buyers, that kind of thing. I just don't see Facebook going towards it. But then again, it's going that way. There's absolutely, there's an AI underbelly to all of this, but Google is the internet. So therefore it's going to be faster than any other platform. Then that includes Meta, that includes Snapchat, that includes TikTok, LinkedIn, you name it. You know who would eat Google's lunch? Apple. The day Apple gets into ads, and I I realize that there's Apple ads inside of the app store, but where Google is the internet, Apple is the frame through which we view the internet, especially for all the most valuable prospects. And so talking about what we're talking about here, Google sees everything after the fact. They're a lag indicator. Apple sees everything before. And Apple could solve for attribution in a way that nobody could. So if you ever see Apple get into the traffic game, dude, there's nothing I would jump on faster. Oh, yeah. I'd be the first in line. Although, you know, we have certainly railed against them with all the privacy. Oh, but yeah, it's brilliant for them. Ingenuosity. If they wanted to get into ad, they just killed all their biggest competitors before they even started in the space. It's a great business move. I just wish, like, why can't you be up front? Just saying, hey, listen, we're going to be using your data to create an ad network because that's exactly what they're going to be doing. That's exactly what they're doing. It's total bullshit. Like Tim Cook is on stage saying he's the privacy king and all this other sort of crap. Oh, dude, it's it's brilliant. It's the most Machiavellian move in corporate history in such a switch. You know what? It's because he's not a visionary. He's not Steve Jobs. And so he's just looking for some other way. He is. You know, he just wants to create an ad network. Oh, that's an original idea. Yeah, they haven't done anything original. It's like, oh, the new iPhone is one inch taller. I have an iPhone 13 or 14. I'm like, I don't know even why I bought it. Like, I should have stayed with my 11. But you did, though. I did, because I wanted the better camera. I was pressured into doing it because we do videos. So my team pressured me into spending the extra $500 or whatever the hell it was. It's like, it's totally not worth it. My wife still has an 11. She's like, my phone's great. Takes great pictures. She takes like the, you know... (laughs) <laughs> the goo off the lens in the back. I'm like, honey, no, you got to take the peanut butter off the back of the lens, you know, or whatever it is. But no, like there's no reason. I don't know. Now we're just going down a, an Apple versus Google rabbit hole. But I would agree to pull myself out of this. Yes, the next evolution would be Apple and an ad platform. It's amazing we haven't heard more about that, but still, like Google well, they've hired is- a bunch of engineers. They oh, hired a bunch of people from Google and Facebook that used to work on their ad networks. Yeah. Yeah. And the interesting part is a little bit of insider knowledge is that Facebook has taken out some of their engineering core 
in order, like in some of these past layoffs, which has, well, if you look at the meta stock, the meta stock has actually done really, really well ever since Zuckerberg started the layoffs because it was probably a bloated company at that point in time. But a lot of those engineers from word on the street did go just sort of cross town over to Apple because they're investing in that new network, which is going to come up at some point in time. But as much as we can blast them about it, we'll be the first ones on it. Oh, dude, I would I would roll up a whole new agency just for Apple ads. I mean, that would be, you talk about the most native ad experience ever in the history of ads. How they would ever balance the privacy BS sales Well, dude, they've been with comfortable it. with hypocrisy this entire time. They wouldn't at all. They wouldn't even address it. Why is it that an Apple app has never asked me for permission to track? We don't even bring it up. It's like Epstein not killing himself. Like, we don't even bring it up. Nobody even, we just all like let it. It's like, oh, okay, you know, that makes sense. The cameras were off. And yeah, I understand. It's fine. Like that's perfect, perfect explanation. Thank you so much. Take me back to my sitcom. It's hysterical. These open air conspiracies that were just like, yeah, that's, I, I accept that wholesale. Thank you. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah. yeah we Send me another check. Yeah. I think, you know, you download the new, I don't know. What's the most recent app that I probably downloaded? Artifact. It had all the ATT prompts in it and everything else. And yeah, but for an Apple app, no. No. Why would there be? And Why I mean, that's kind of their point too. It's just like, well, you trust us. We're like big brothers. Hey, we're, we're trustworthy with your data. But when you think about like your data still, and we haven't ranted about this in a long time, we're not talking about social security numbers, checking account numbers. We're talking about what music you listen to, who you're married to, what car you drive. I mean, all of the things that Google knows about us. It's like, why not? I don't really care about my data. When it gets into... I have my identity stolen. Now that's an issue. And there's a long list of companies that have done that and have not protected my actually really private data. But it's the data on Facebook. It's like, what more do they want to know? It's like, I don't care. It's convenient that the fact that they're tracking me and I get relevant ads. And it's not just because I run an ad agency. You know, like, I don't want to be seeing, I don't know female diaper ads, you know, in my newsfeed. You know what I mean? I want them to get my data. Unless I'm really into female diapers, which I, I don't I was, well, I then they I don't know, know why though. that one came up. Yeah. But anyway, the point is is that it's all about how much data they have on you and it's actually it's okay that they have it. It's the performance max as a solution, which you're finding is not quite bringing it all back full circle. Bringing it all back full circle. It's not the magic bullet that it was. It's still massively functional. There's a couple of ways to use it that still work really well, which I'm happy to share. But first, Ralph has to get paid. Well, we're going to get into where Gossam's group and John and just in general, these guys have found Performance Max to work really, really well. We've spent the first half of the show today just sort of dissing it completely because everyone's sort of come on board. And I think you're to blame for a lot of that adoption, by the way, Qasim Aslam. But anyway, be that as it may, we're going to get into where Performance Max is really still effective right after this quick break. After 15 years and $100 million in annual ad spend and management, we've learned that in order for your growing brand to succeed in 2023, you need as many ideal fit customers 
as possible. Now, the market is changing and short-term hacks just won't cut it anymore. The algorithms are taking over. What you need is a robust and full funnel strategy that aligns your traffic with your back-end conversion architecture. And at Tier 11, our holistic customer-getting methodology is a unique system called customer acquisition amplification. Now, CAMP, as we refer to it, is a revolutionary approach to digital marketing that analyzes and identifies opportunities for your company's growth throughout your entire customer acquisition path. We find every missed opportunity to take your prospects on the ideal journey from first touch to high value conversion. If this is something that you would like for your business, head on over to tier11.com, schedule a call with our team, and learn how customer acquisition amplification can take your business to new heights. All right, we are back. After the first half of today's show, we've been railing against how much Google Performance Max is no longer any good. How Cosm hates it now. But not in all cases. <laughs> So tell us where it's being most effective, still really working well, and the areas where you recommend it. Yeah. So the thing that I'll say is obligatory disclaimer, you can't paint with a broad brush and this is going to be different for everybody and it's absolutely worth testing. And I really mean that, by the way, we're still testing it on every individual client. But our findings have been that for new customer acquisition, it falls massively, massively short. And to preface, one thing to note is Performance Max has three manifestations. It has more than that, but three primary manifestations, which would be feed only. And Performance Max feed only, if you're not familiar with that, it's when you effectively hamstring Performance Max intentionally and you turn it into a smart shopping campaign because feed only forces it to go into shopping-based placements. And it's pretty cool the way that Performance Max feed-only campaigns can work. We've got a video all about that on the Solutions at YouTube channel if anybody's interested. Then there's the Performance Max non-feed for e-com, which is also really interesting. It kind of tricks Performance Max into being something like a DSA campaign. It doesn't necessarily push conversions the way that it should, but it helps a lot with top of the funnel, interest-based audience building, those types of things. And then, of course, there's the full build where you give it the feed, you give it the conversion actions, you give it all the assets that it needs, and it takes it and runs with it. So with those three manifestations in mind, where I really like using Performance Max is when I want to improve and increase the efficacy of my return traffic. Because just because we say, oh, Performance Max just you know sells your customers back to you. Well, that sounds so dismissive that you'd never want to run it. But what companies are finding, especially larger companies with large customer bases, is you can increase the frequency with which somebody purchases. You can protect that repeat purchase, especially if you have competitors that are selling the same shit. You can improve the value of those repeat purchases. So if they were going to buy one bag of coffee grounds, maybe now they buy four. There's a lot of use cases as to when, why, and how you'd want to continue to maximize the value of returning customers, remarketing lists, brand traffic, competitor traffic, bottom of the funnel, already exposed to you traffic, bounces, atrophied clients, dropped off clients, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And Performance Max does phenomenally well there. And if you have any question as to whether or not it works, then just look at your media efficiency ratio when you use it compared to when you don't. And that's the purest way to see the true impact that Performance Max is having on your overall campaign performance, which incidentally, for all my CMOs and director of marketing, you have to be looking at MER, M-E-R, media efficiency ratio. It's probably the single most important KPI in marketing 
period, and it will protect you from situations and instances where your Google Ads agency says, oh, you're getting a 900% ROAS, but for whatever weird reason, that's not reflected in your bank account. If you're spending a dollar and you're getting $3 back, but then some jackass that looks a lot like me comes and says, you're getting a 900% ROAS. My question is, why don't I have $9 in my bank account for every dollar that I've spent? That would be 900%. And here's what's crazy. They don't know. They can't answer that. So what's the real return? And that's what Murray will tell you. We've got a whole video on that too, by the way, Ralph, called CMO Math on our YouTube channel. We might want to bring John in to talk about that because that's a great, great, great topic. Yeah, let's leave links in the show notes to both of those. I'm going to yeah. grab both of those from you post, post show. But that's the helpful piece of performance max is maximizing the value of existing prospects, existing traffic. And that shouldn't be understated because that's still really important too. But and my hope co- is... Is it cost efficient though? I mean, devil's advocate here. It's like, all right, on well, who you are. I'm going to spend more money to get the same customer to buy again that I already got before. Like, why don't I just use a free, free email and SMS nurture? Email and SMS nurture. Yeah. So we've got a mutual client who sells consumables in the pet space. And what's interesting is we've tried it basically in all the ways that you can imagine trying it. And what we found is Performance Max still maximizes the value of their existing client base better than not having it. So they still do emails, they do SMS, do they do direct mail drops? Like they do everything you can think of. And when you layer on Pmax, they still get an uptick in return. It's not huge, but they're also so big that those little improvements end up being really worthy. But if I were a small e-com biz, you know, if I'm spending sub, I don't know, 20, 30 grand, I would want nothing but new customer acquisition. That's why I think when that feature came out, I was particularly excited about it. Oh, dude, you and me both. It showed some initial gains. It still does. When you turn on new customer acquisition, the first two weeks looks promising. It looks really prime, and then it dies, and I don't know why. I, maybe somebody at Google can answer this. Maybe I'm using it wrong, dude. Like I, you know, but I, we've tried it over and over and over again. And we're not dummies. Yeah, new customer acquisition and performance max still to date does not work. If you're a Google Ads manager that's made it work, reach out to me. Like, come on the show, train us up. You'd have to be able to prove it. But if you can prove you've made new customer acquisition work inside of Performance Max and be receptive to me digging into it and finding out that that actually might not necessarily be the case, I'd love to learn what you're doing because just click checking that box doesn't work. 100%. It's one of the reasons why we talk about this at the beginning of the show is like our tagline for the show is customer acquisition. <laughs> I mean, it's new customers, leads and sales ultimately to enhance and, and achieve your vision as an organization. But new customer acquisition is one of the hardest things to do online it's one of the hardest things to do in marketing and dude in business in business for sure so the economics of selling more to who you've already bought is obviously important but as long as it's being done economically and it's additive to other ways let's not forget just google itself is not i mean i'm sure you have plenty of customers and all they do is google ads and that's it but if you're looking at a well diversified, you know, we have some larger customers, I would say anything from the 10 to 100 to a couple of hundred million level customers, they're using multiple channels to figure all this out and using Murr as the touchstone for all of it, because that's what the big boys do. And that's how you actually grow and scale a business. But it's all got to work out economically. When we do a discovery call or a 
you know, a growth plan for a customer is like, hey, you know, I'm getting a 2x ROAS right now on all my meta ads and I'm spending twenty, thirty thousand dollars a month and I want you guys to get it to 3x. I'm like, well, first off, I know for a fact you're probably not excluding new your previous customers in any of your targeting. You're not doing exclusions and exclusions are not a be all end all, by the way. Even though you can do exclusions, and I know you can do the same thing on, on Google Performance Max. It doesn't guarantee that the algorithm is still going to find people who are familiar with your brand or have maybe even bought before, engaged with your brand prior. So the first thing that I usually do is I say, hey, your ROAS is going to go down. Now, the problem is your front-end creative. The problem is your, you know, your conversion rate on your page. The problem is, is that none of your tracking is set up. You're not optimizing for the right event. So... It's almost like you know you have to accept the fact that customer acquisition, new customer acquisition, is the hardest thing to do on the planet, and you're going to have to figure out how to work around that. We just thought that Performance Max was going to really sort it out because Google knows so much about all of us, right? It's still 72 million psychographic and demographic profiling factors on every human on the planet. Probably more than that now. It's probably more I mean, that than was that. Five-year-old data point. Let's just up that to 100 million at this point. It's you would trillion, figure they bro. would be smarter. Now and could really focus on people who've never known who you are, but the algorithms are always going to corner the market on the people who are most likely to convert, right? So going back to our previous conversations of brand awareness consideration ads, like creating your own market through your front end creative and then getting them into the conversion campaigns. We're going to continue to talk about that as a growing trend here because at the end of the day, the goal is not necessarily to spend money on brand. The goal is to expand the market for your brand so you can acquire more customers. And I'm just amazed that that part of it for Google Performance Max with all the brain power, with all the data points hasn't been able to solve that issue. That's the key to online marketing is customer acquisition. Bottom of funnel stuff is easy. Yeah, they'll crack the code. There's no way they don't. I mean, there's a reason they put that little checkbox there. They've already planted a flag in the ground saying, we are going to do this at some point. I'm just here to tell you that it doesn't work. Yeah, interesting. What? Last but not least, what role does YouTube play in all this in performance packs? How much of a lift have you seen? Is it not necessarily something that you can see or measure, but I've always been sort of curious. Like that's been sort of the outlier. I get it. Like a lot of the inventory is obviously on display network, but like what have you seen there? What are your observations so far? Because this is like literally a year or so into doing this now, maybe two years since you guys got beta access. But what's, what's yeah, your take 2019 here? is when we really started very seriously playing with it. I think November 2019 was when it rolled out. And then, you know, there were multiple manifestations and it sucked back in the day. And 2021 is when we really began pushing clients onto it. I don't like YouTube and Performance Max because Performance Max treats YouTube like display. If you're going to run YouTube ads, the theory there is that you have really solid creative and YouTube has a bunch of settings, YouTube specific placements and strategies that are only available and accessible if you run YouTube ads with the intent of running YouTube ads. So run YouTube ads specifically, which still happens inside of the Google ad dashboard. So I don't love the way that Performance Max utilizes YouTube. It just kind of like lumps it in with all the other display and it's not. YouTube has a very specific ethos, the way that people engage with YouTube, how they use it. Dude, you know, the average time on site for YouTube is 20 minutes. Is that insane? In a world where we're fighting for seven, eight, nine seconds, average time on site is 20 minutes, the longest of any major site on the internet. This is the, what is it, visual capitalist that I'm citing. So I, I love YouTube. I don't think that 
relying on performance metrics to utilize YouTube in the proper ways is intelligent at all. We still see Pmax pushing into YouTube. Sometimes it can be a good supplement. Again, if you're looking for display, it feels like you get YouTube traffic a lot cheaper when it's going through Performance Max, probably because Performance Max is selling you traffic that it can't sell otherwise. But if you have a YouTube-specific use case, go build a YouTube-specific campaign. So there's still no way, even through the betas that you guys have been involved in, to exclude YouTube and any of the three like campaign types for Performance Max. No, there is... I think we have a YouTube video on this. There's a little code that you can inject. And I don't really understand this part, Ralph. If I can track it down, I'll leave a description in the show notes. But there's a way to exclude certain channels, including app. So zooming all the way out, you can uh, apply an app exclusion. And I forgot exactly how we cracked the code. I actually think it was one of our YouTube subscribers that taught us how to do this. Really? That's quite the nugget. Yeah. Let me go find, figure out what that is and where that is. Here we go. How to use placement exclusions in performance max campaigns. So full disclosure, I have no idea how this works. I just know that I saw the Slack chatter. Let me go to school on this route before I start saying things that aren't true, because I think there is a way to exclude specific channels. Well, that would be very cool. So we, we have a lot of links here, <laughs> a lot of follow-up from today's conversation, because this, this is a big revelation. And I know you've got a couple of videos on your channel about it. And I do giving you guys a lot of credit and I having early access to it back in 2019. That's before anyone even, and I think you were super skeptical even back then. Oh, dude, 2019 was yeah, a dumpster fire. It was like, garbage. Yeah, it was just total crap. But it evolved, got better. A lot of people came on board. Now it's not so good, but at least we, you know, are giving you some ideas here as to where it could be very effective in scaling your marketing and ultimately acquiring new customers, which is really, that's the big deal here. So we'll leave links in the show notes to everything that we talked about here. Of course, make sure that you do subscribe and leave a rating wherever you are listening. We have finally gotten to the bottom of it. Why Cosm hates Performance Max, but where there are use cases for it specifically. And I think that will just change over time, which leads me to believe that people who are listening to this show, Cosm, should probably just keep listening because stuff is changing all the time. All the time. Fortunately, with the amount of work that we do in this space, we find that stuff out maybe earlier than other people do. So anyway, happy to pass along that knowledge to you all. Make sure you do leave a rating wherever you listen. Let us know what we can do better over at perpetualtraffic.com forward slash better. Follow myself on LinkedIn and Kasim over on Twitter, otherwise known as X now. Go back and listen to previous episodes and check us out on YouTube at perpetualtraffic.com forward slash YouTube. I just realized I didn't record with the cool new 4K camera today, Kasim, but just have to open that loop for future episodes here. See how my camera actually <laughs> looks. All resources and show notes over on perpetualtraffic.com. On behalf of my awesome co-host, Kasim Aslam. Peace. Until next show, see ya. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic 